Welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And I have no idea what we're talking about again. Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing we're going to talk about is a happy birthday, Chantel. Oh, thanks. It is my birthday today. Yes, it will be when it happens. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be old now, uh, as you always are, because you were born before I am. Indeed. How does it make you feel to know that I was like barely an embryo when you were born? Um, well... My partner is younger than someone I used to babysit, so I'm kind of over the whole age gap thing already. Fair, fair. (laughs) It's just, it's weird because like we're born in the same year, but like you have a full gestation of time on earth before I do. Yeah, a little less than 10 months apart. Yeah, which is wild. But anyways, uh, happy birthday. Uh, As we all know, I love you very much and I hope that you have a great weekend and get to do things that are fun. I will. I'm going to the Bunny Cafe. There's a Bunny Cafe? Yeah, that kind of outs where I live. But yes, there is. Japan. (laughs) You live in Japan. And I'm also going to Build-A-Bear probably. Oh, that's cute. They have Pokemans. Yeah, they do. I'm doing all the things that my 13-year-old heart wants to do. So (laughs) Great. Love that for you. We'll just forget that i'm almost 30 Woohoo! i mean you're 13 uh but you want to be 30 you know that's 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 the thing what a great movie mark ruffalo so that's that that's your birthday uh everybody wish until a happy birthday on the day this episode comes out but today we're not gonna be talking about birthdays at all what are we talking about Content warning for sad abuse. Just general content warning for sad. Just content warning for the huge. We're going to be talking about The Little Match Girl by Hans Christian Andersen. Oh, Hans Christian Andersen is like the fairy tale dude. He is. Fabulous. So I first read this because it's my mom's favorite story, but I read it in French and I did not know that it was by Hans Christian Andersen until this morning. Oh. I was like, oh, we're going to do La Petite Fille aux Allumettes. It's going to be great. I mean, I have to translate it. No, it's it's not a French story, Amy. It's German, right? It's Danish. Danish, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to start with Hans Christian Andersen a little bit, uh, give you some feedback on that. Feedback. Background? Background. I'm going to give you some background on that. House cleaning. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I hate, I like, okay, so I'm like one of those like corporate girls and I hate whenever I start a meeting unironically with I have a few housekeeping items (laughs) like who the fuck am I anyways that's beside the point but we're gonna do some housekeeping I guess so he was born in 1805 and he died in 1875 he was a Danish author but is best remembered for his literary fairy tales he did like the snow queen right yeah so he did I'm gonna give you his most famous fairy tale include the emperor's new clothes the little mermaid Ah. the nightingale the steadfast tin soldier the red shoes the princess and the pea the Snow Queen, the Ugly Duckling, the Little Match Girl, and Thumbelina. Oh my gosh. Okay. So high key, Thumbelina was my favorite movie growing up. And then I watched it again as an adult. It is not a good movie. It has a terrible message. The message is literally like, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. If a guy thinks you're hot. I mean, (laughs) 
this is the thing I was going to get into later. Well, I'll get into it now. Uh, a lot of his the literary criticism or just the criticism of his work in the early days was that he was writing fairy tales, but they weren't didactic. They weren't trying to teach anyone anything. Mm. They were just meant to amuse. They were just like stories for the sake of a good story. Yes. I guess, yeah, The Little Mermaid doesn't really have a message, does it? They're just there to entertain. Okay. He like gave the best fodder to Disney. And also, oh, yeah. I definitely thought the Ugly Duckling was a Mother Goose thing. It's uh, it's about geese. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was published by him first, and then it was adapted into many things. Wow, what a Renaissance man! Indeed, and boy, do I have to tell you about this man's life. Okay. Um, so he was born to a dad who was like who went to elementary school, so he knew how to write and stuff, and to a mom who uh, was illiterate. Okay. And then by a series of fortunate-ish events, he found his way through like various other types of education. So like he got basic education and then he became like an apprentice to a weaver and then later a tailor. And then at 14, he moved to Copenhagen and became an actor because he could sing. But then, you know, he's a boy, so his voice changed. And then like somebody told him like, you'd be a great poet. And he was like, fuck yeah, I would. Because somebody like really liked him as person they sent him to like grammar school and he like got his school paid by king frederick the sixth what like happenstances and then later in life he was like abused because he lived at the schoolmaster's home which was like rough but you know he figured it out in the end oh dear okay well he does sound like a renaissance man yeah so he wrote like some some stuff as you do when you are a writer. And then he wrote his fairy tales. And as I said earlier, people were like, mm, these aren't teaching kids anything. He was like, maybe we don't need to teach them. Maybe we just need to entertain them. Maybe we just need to keep them from throwing rocks at each other because that's all they have to do all day before iPads exist. Yeah. Um, he wrote a bunch of travel logs, which is kind of cool. He launched a, a publication called A Picture Book Without Pictures, which is kind of funny. And then he had like this whole like personal life. So he was like enamored with Charles Dickens. In like a romantic sense or? So it's uh, different authorities on Hans Christian Andersen's life have different views on whether or not he had relations with men. Okay. Some people were like, it would go against his religious upbringing, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I've met a lot of gay Catholics. Okay. That really, honestly, like you don't choose. Also, like, fairy tales? Suspicious suspicious i'm allowed to say that yeah it's fine so anyways it's not very clear but let me tell you about this part with charles dickens so he went to england you know and got invited to a party because again happenstance and he met charles dickens and they were out on the veranda and he was so happy to see and speak with england's now living writer whom i do love the most Aww. so like like his favorite writer he's like i fucking like fanboy yes i was gonna say he had a fanboy moment yeah um so they respected each other's work as writers and talked about like their depiction of the poor and the underclass and the industrial revolution and abject poverty and they really talked about like you know children and their innocence and all that kind of stuff 10 years later anderson goes back to england basically just to hang out with dickens and <laughs> hangs out with him a couple days and then stays for five fucking weeks okay this seems romantic overstays his welcome and the entire dickens family hated him ah he was told to leave and then dickens kind of went like i'm gonna ghost you and then he ghosted him 
which was very sad for Anderson, who had quite enjoyed the visit and could never understand why his letters went unanswered. Aw, that's so sad. What a dick ends. Right? Sorry. Okay. Glenn just read The Christmas Carol mm-hmm. on air for Nuzzle House podcast. Yeah. Go check it out if you haven't. If you listen to us, you probably listen to them, but we're here. We're all here. <laughs> we're contemporaries. And one thing that he said at the beginning of every episode was Charles Dickens was a prolific writer and a fantastic asshole to everyone around him. I believe it, honestly. <laughs> Poor Hans Christian Andersen just wanted a friend. Yeah. You know, thought he had met his heroes. Oh. He's the definition of don't meet your heroes. He sounds neurodivergent. Um, Likely. Likely. But also that's fine. It is fine. It's totally fine. Hashtag same. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? So back to Anderson's same-sex attraction, as Wikipedia puts it. Um, He wrote to a guy named Edvar Cullen. Don't know who that guy is. But let me read you this sentence and then you can tell me what you think about it as an expert in the subject, Chantel. Okay. He wrote, I languish for you as for a pretty Calibrian wench. My sentiments for you are those of a woman. The femininity of my nature and our friendship must remain a mystery. Homeboy had a crush. Uh-huh. Cullen was not into men um, okay. and wrote in his own memoir, I found myself unable to respond to his love and this caused the author much suffering. Oh no! This really reminds me of the letters that Alexander Hamilton sent to John Lawrence. Yeah. He would be like, I love you as a man loves a woman. And I'm like, I think you do anyway. Yeah. Uh, Anderson also was in touch with this guy named Carl Alexander, the young hereditary, hereditary Duke of Saxe-Weimar-Einsenhach. Pronunciation's not my forte. This is written in his biography. The hereditary Grand Duke walked, sure, walked arm in arm with me across the courtyard of the castle to my room, kissed me lovingly and asked me always to love him though he was just an ordinary person, asked me to stay with him this winter, fell asleep with a melancholy, happy feeling that I was the guest of this strange prince at his castle and loved by him. It is like a fairy tale. Wow, that really sounds like just bros being pals, right? Yeah. The uh, Hans Christian Andersen Center of the University of South Denmark disagrees with this homosexual leniency that we're here of course bend we know it's there he wrote about it but yet they were only roommates historians love to say oh it was a different time and people had different sorts of relationships with the same gender okay which like sure they could that's not what happened though is it yeah it's definitely that's not the situation that is being described here no so anyways they state it is correct to the point to the very ambivalent and also very traumatic elements in Anderson's emotional life considering the sexual sphere, but it is decidedly just as wrong to describe him as a homosexual and maintain that he had physical relationship with men. He did not. Indeed, he would have been entirely contrary to his moral and religious ideals, aspects that are quite outside the field of vision. Maybe he didn't have sex with men, but he was kissing them. And not sleeping with someone doesn't change your sexuality. Anderson might be one of our great ace of his time we love an ace king he was also like in love with an unattainable woman at one point we love a bi king yeah uh, her name was ripborg that's quite the name yeah <laughs> fucking danish <laughs> people love him and it would have been it is suggested uh that he had like other girl named like a, a sophie and then a, maybe a louise and a lind who may or may not be the anti-heroine of his Snow Queen. Long story. He had he had a time, and then he uh, he got liver cancer. 
which is sad. Oh, man. I was going to make a joke about him only dating chocolate and the dragon from Beowulf, but then you said the <laughs> liver cancer thing. kind of killed my vibe. I'm sorry for killing your vibe. Um, but he was so internationally revered that the Danish government paid him an annual stipend as a national treasure. Aww, how lovely. He is quite good. Quite. All his stories are depressing as hell. Oh, we're about to get to one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I also chose this story is your birthday falls nicely close to my grandmother's death anniversary. Oh no. Which is less than ideal for you. And this little match girl is very much about the love between a little girl and her grandmother as well. It's cute. So we're going to go through a synopsis now and then you can tell me how you feel about it. Um, have you read it before? No, I haven't even heard of it. <laughs> White man blinking. Okay. Um, so it's published in 1845 and adapted into various media, including animated, live action, and VR films, as well as television musicals. All right, go off. Originally titled in Danish something I can't pronounce, but that means little girl with the sulfur sticks, which are matches. <laughs> Cute. So we have this little girl on uh, New Year's Eve who's walking around in the nighttime because her job is to sell matches. Um, at one point, she lost the shoes she had because they were too big for her. They used to belong to her mother, um, who I guess had no use for them anymore because I think her mom's dead. And she lost them when she was running across the road because she didn't want to get hit by carriages. So she walked on with her naked feet um, that were like, you know, frostbitten at this point. And in her old apron, she carried several packages of matches and she wanted to sell them because that was her job. But nobody had bought them from her. So like she was the picture of like a miserable little girl who needed help. But nobody was helping her because she was poor. I can see why this guy would have got along with Charles Dickens. Right. So it's important to note here that as the main character of the story, she has like long, fair hair um, and pretty curls. So she's like, you know, a curly Q person. Very much a pure imagery here, as we yeah. all know. We've we've read Porphyria's Lover. We don't need to go back into that. She could hear and like smell people celebrating New Year's Eve, but like she was just out there trying to sell her matches. Because she hadn't sold anything, she knew she couldn't go back because her dad would surely beat her because her dad Aww. was a piece of shit. Because parents and fairy tales are always pieces of shit. It's true. Or dead. Or dead. In this case, she has both. So, and also like, you know, she was like, it's cold at home. I'm in no better place if I go home. So she finds a, she finds a little alcove between two houses and she snuggles up there and she's like, man, if I could just like light these matches, I could be warm. And then eventually she's like, okay, sure. Like I'll light one, you know, just so I don't be, I'm not so cold. She lights one. And in this like cold hypothermia stance that she was having, she could see like this great iron stove with shining brass knobs and a brass cover and how warm the fire was and how comfortable she was. And, you, you know, she, she really enjoyed this image of being in a warm, safe place. And then the flame went out. And so did her vision. So she struck another match. And this time she like kind of was able to see in like a thin veil, like there was like a thin veil between her and the house that she was lying up against. And she could see the food that they were eating, you know, the roast goose um, stuff with apples and prunes. And she could smell it and she could see the people who were eating it. And, you know, then the match went out. And all she could see was the cold wall. Um, so she did it again. And this time she saw a beautiful Christmas tree. And it was like a richly decorated tree. And thousands of candles burned in its green branches. And it was magical for her. And as she reached, you know, her hands towards the tree, the match went out. But she could see that the Christmas lights were still happening. And she saw a shooting star. And her grandmother at the time 
when she was still alive, had said that shooting stars represent someone dying. Oh. And her grandmother was the only person who had ever loved her. Aww. So when a star falls down, a soul goes up to God, is what her grandmother told her. So she lit another match against the wall, and it became bright, and she saw her her grandmother clear as day kind lovely and she cried out to her grandmother she was like you know take me with you uh, i know you'll disappear when the match is burned out um you'll vanish like the stool you'll vanish like the goose and the big beautiful christmas tree so in a desperate attempt to not lose her grandmother again she struck the whole bundle of matches so she could keep her grandmother's image with her and the matches burned with such a glow that it became brighter than daylight, and her grandmother had never been so grand and beautiful, and she took the little girls in her arms, and both of them flew in brightness and joy above the earth, very, very high up, and there was neither cold nor hunger, no fear, they were with God. She died! So, the next morning, they find her frozen to death with a smiling mouth, holding her matches, and people said she wanted to warm herself no one imagined what beautiful things she had seen and how happily she had gone with her old grandmother into the bright new year Aww, that's a really sad one what the heck hans okay yeah so you said that she was all dirty and she had like the long blonde hair and the little ringlets so obviously i was expecting that she was gonna get like picked up by the hot jock and then like tiny like, tim they would give her a they would like make her take a shower take her glasses off and she'd be the most popular girl in, in school yeah no. and that's not where it went no and then you think oh christmas carol tiny tim she's gonna be safe no i mean okay all the hans christian anderson stories that i know besides the ugly duckling do end in someone dying i think like yeah, the little mermaid like the little mermaid it's bad. The Little Mermaid, like she, her heart breaks and she throws herself into the sea foam and becomes the sea foam. Yeah, no, The Little Mermaid's not a happy story. And neither is this. The Ice Queen, I think, is no bueno also. It's like very different from Frozen. Yeah. No, this is not a good time. Not a good time. But it's my mom's favorite story. And I like the idea that she, you know, gets to be with her grandmother again, who loved her very much. I think that's really sweet in the end. It is a nice image like okay like it's not happy for everyone who's still alive not like her dad cares that's true but like finding a dead child probably not that weird in 1845 considering that's true all right all right you got me <laughs> but it's still not good i told you content warning for sad i wasn't kidding but she seemed happy she seemed in very happy at the end which is lovely for yeah. her it's just sad yeah it's devastating because somebody should have helped her yeah but Ugh. she went with the only person who ever loved her her mom who gave her the two big shoes didn't love her well we don't know she's i think she's dead yeah like the only mention of her mom is these were her shoes oh she probably like died in childbirth or anything because it's the my 1800s. guess yeah. yeah, and her dad probably blamed her and then hated her and abused her. And her grandma was the only person who loved her. Well, her grandmother sounds lovely. Yeah, seems like a really good person who, like, you know, made sure that she crossed over wherever they crossed with together, you know? Yeah, and obviously the shooting star was for her. Yeah. What's your interpretation? My interpretation. I don't really have one. What's your analysis? I always What's just th- found it. It's a weirdly comforting story for me. Okay. Like I was the kid who was always cold and mm-hmm. I found a lot of warmth in it as a kid. That Like there was always the possibility of warmth returning even in the darkest times. Yeah, I can see you that. Know? I don't know if this was entertaining, Hans, <laughs> but here we are. I'm surprised that you like this story because it's about death. Yeah, I just, I like, I remember the tiny little booklet it came in at the library, you know, and like I, I think the first time I read it was shortly after my 
grandmother died. Aww. Or like shortly before. And like she was my best friend and my godmother and also my grandmother. So I found a lot of comfort in like the whole guardian a- angel aspect of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like if she had to go, she didn't have to go alone. Yeah. I thought that was quite sweet. Yeah. So there's definitely a whole different vibe to stories that you read as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I reread it completely because it's extremely short. And like I had those same feelings of like, you know, yeah, her life really sucked and she was not having a good time but like she imagined ways in which it could be better mm-hmm. and in the end she didn't go sad yeah it's like a hopeful ending i guess yeah as hopeful as like a child dying of cold and starvation is yeah sure <laughs> no but it's like it's like hopeful for everybody you know yeah like everybody gets to take the place of a star yeah and you can see the religious influence because you know she goes up to god and stuff sure doesn't stop him from being into men <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I think, I think it's a very warm and heartwarming story in the end. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that to us today, Amy. You're welcome. This was, um, yeah, the opposite of a birth story. Sorry. (laughs) So we're there. That's the point we're at. Did you like it? I liked it. Good. Do you want me to give you a rating scale? Yes. Okay. So Chantel, on a scale of those matchbooks you get at a motel, you know, that you have to like fold over to strike because they're like made out of paper and they're very flimsy and they scare me to death. Yeah. To like... Those like really long ones you have for fireplaces that come in like a really long wooden box. How would you rate this story? Um, I would rate this like the long lighters that you use for candles. For the BBQ. Sure, for the BBQ or for a candle if you're a regular person. (laughs) Because I feel like this is the kind of story that sticks with you, you know? Like a match, you light it, it goes out. A candle, you light it, it stays lit for a couple hours. So mm-hmm. I think this is the kind of story that sticks like a candle. Agreed. Wax is really hard to get out of carpets. Yes, it is. Have you ever <laughs> spilled wax on a carpet? Don't tell Rez. Would not recommend. <laughs> Zero out of ten. <laughs> it's the smell. The smell stays forever. Mm. What would you rate yeah. this story? Like a really good long match that doesn't scare me because it's not too close to my fingies. Yeah, your fingies? Yeah, I don't like matches because they scare me because I don't like striking them because I'm always afraid that I'm gonna burn my hands because they go and then I go ah and then I'm afraid I'm gonna throw it um but -hmm. if they're long and they're far away from my fingies I don't feel as scared so that's what I would rate it because it is I think one of my favorite fairy tales if you would call it that yeah I would I I mean that's what he wrote so that's gotta be what it is right um I'm not 100% certain I've ever lit a match oh right you weren't in scouts I don't remember lighting a match I was not in scouts I was. I went to Bible camp, but... That's funny. (laughs) I was not in scouts. It's funny for reasons. Ethan also thinks so. Yeah, yeah. No, I I had to light a fire, and I I couldn't light the fire because I couldn't light the match. I also really hated lighting Bunsen burners in high school. Oh, yeah, those are terrifying. Yeah, and I actually got, like, these... We used to get, like, these merit badges at the end of school for academic prowess if you will and two of the ones i got in grade nine were for overcoming my fears in both science class because i finally got used to lighting bunsen burners and in shop class because i finally got 
less scared of the bandsaw. Aw, that's so fun that they had like a most improved. Yeah. I mean, I got really good grades in both those classes. I got one of like, I, I was one of two people to get the highest grade in shop, but also because I overcame my fears. It's like getting an A plus in therapy. I'm also getting that. <laughs> Probably. I also got the highest grade in my tech class, which was like we built like a, a parachute, like a bottle rocket parachute, like a CO2 car. Yeah, we did a got- CO2 car. Yeah, they're they're like um like a little wooden car, and you stick the CO two canister, and then yeah, it and it's on a string, and then it goes yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah I I got a ninety seven in that class, and then got a ninety eight fabulous. Uh-huh. I was one of three girls in that class. It was almost entirely boys, and then I wrote an article for the school newspaper about how more girls should take tech because it's fun. We didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. I guess there's not enough people. There weren't enough students. So they were like, okay, so you do a half semester of art class and then you do a half semester of shop. Oh, wow. Okay. So the way it worked at my school is you got um, three choices for like an art and then three choices for like a life skill, I guess. And the art ones were drama, visual arts, and music. And my parents wanted me to take visual arts and I ended up taking drama which I wanted and then for the life skills it was like computers and home ec and integrated technologies and my parents wanted me to take computers and I ended up taking integrated technologies which I wanted right I had a lot of agency for my academic decisions I think they probably would have made me take the things that they wanted if we hadn't gone to like an open house where it was like they're gonna learn how to type and my parents were like okay she's coding html web pages on her own so i think that's probably a little bit below her level yeah we had a like a computers class but it was like learning how to use microsoft word yeah this was like 2009 and then we also had music and those were like the half classes together mm-hmm. so those were the classes we had to take because we didn't have drama and home ec was a grade 10 thing we called it puppet which is like puppet. a slang word for making food that's cute yeah and we also had gym we had to take gym. Ugh, I had to take gym in grade nine and then I dropped it immediately after yeah. grade nine. I took it, it for exactly as many credits as I absolutely had to. So on our like timesheet, it was like clearly written that we had gym for girls. No, it was gym for everyone. We were all <laughs> together. That sounds worse. Yeah, it was on fifth periods. So it wasn't so bad because it was the end of the day, but like... I would have cried less if it would have been just girls, you know? I'm all for co-ed stuff, but oh my god, high school boys are so annoyingly competitive. I remember (sighs) having to do co-ed gym in like middle school and it was like, ugh, it's just soccer. You need to like relax, you know? (laughs) You need to calm down. It's middle school soccer. It's not that high stakes as you're making it to be. We play this game called Ballon Trois Pas, which I will translate vaguely to being like, take three steps and then launch a ball. (laughs) So it's it's like, it's kind of like dodgeball, but not really because you don't, it's like a free for all and you can only take three steps with the ball and then you have to hit someone with it. Oh, I remember this. Do you guys have a name for it? Uh, no. (laughs) Okay. So it was like everybody's favorite thing, every competitive person's favorite thing. And they would whip balls at each other's faces, including Mm -hmm. mine. Yes. So I would purposefully get hit early on and then just sit and ignore any balls that came around me. Because if you got another ball, you could stand up, throw it and get back in the game. Nope. Fabulous. Did you also get a D in gym class? No, I think I got a B plus. How'd you get a B plus with that attitude? health class i excelled 
in the health class portion. I got A pluses all the way. Oh my god. No, gym was my worst mark that I've ever got in anything. And I got a D plus. My gosh. Were you guys' health class not combined? Yes, it was. Our gym teacher was just really terrible. And um, for the first semester that I was in middle school and then never again, because she had to talk to my parents on parent teacher night and she probably had like a date night planned because what gym teacher expects to be busy on parent teacher night. And my mom had like printed out the curriculum and like highlighted what percentage of it is supposed to be counted as participation and stuff. But she was exclusively marking on prowess. And there was a girl in my class, let's call her Susan. She wrote on the report card, like, Susan is not an athlete. It's like, okay, but are you expecting every grade seven to be an athlete? Like, you're writing that on the report card? No one is going to the Olympics out of your class this year. I promise you this. My gosh, that's right. Yeah, it be wild. Yeah, no. Anyway, uh... yeah, school, school was... um. Not the best. I did not love it. I loved university and I liked aspects of high school. Yeah, I I enjoyed parts of high school because I was good at it. And then yes. I was also good at my undergrad and then my master's degree was the easiest thing I've ever done. <laughs> so, you know. I distinctly remember unpacking my locker on the last day of high school and I was the only one in the hall because I am very slow and a teacher walked by who knew me and was like, oh, this is your last day. Are you going to miss it? And I was like, no. (laughs) I felt a sigh of relief when I left. I was like, oh, thank God it's over. Yeah. I was like, all right, never have to think about that again. We'll just talk about it on a podcast in 10 years. And then your younger self was like, what the fuck is a podcast? (laughs) Um, so that was fun. We we, we went fun. through a roller coaster of emotions. We surely did. Um, and I'm sure we will both before and after the podcast as well. So thank you for joining us on this journey. If you have other fairy tales for us to read, please drop them in our replies because we're always interested in reading very short things that are not long and don't take very much time. <laughs> I was going to make a joke, but that's not great. <laughs> okay you already made it (laughs) you already made it in all our hearts thank you for listening we have been amy and Chantel, and if you would like to find us on twitter and instagram we are at unsighted pod not at unsighted which i told you last week which was a lie we'll see you in two weeks and as always we're excited unavailable What a great movie. Mark Ruffalo.